uh, is missing everybody, and uh, she sends her greetings, and she is excited about getting back home. We're looking forward to a fantastic time, the end of this summer and the beginning of this fall. I believe God is going to add to the church daily, such as should be saved. Amen. And uh, uh, I'm going to be going for a few days, a little vacation uh, with my family. I believe God's going to continue to pour out His Spirit here in Life Church. I understand you had a great move of the Spirit on Wednesday night. And uh, what, a, what a great and fantastic time. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything. Except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Everybody say very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power. Everybody say power. The power of of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. The King James Version, verse 4, again says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not stand in man's wisdom, but that your faith would stand in the power of God. And I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on Pentecostal PowerPoints. Pentecostal PowerPoints. Now, here's the deal. I've got seven of these PowerPoints. Just so happens to be God's number of perfection. Seven PowerPoints. But you know what? I may not get through with these PowerPoints because if the Spirit of the Lord begins to move, the point is not my sermon. The point is not the message that I'm going to preach to you today. The point is getting you to realize that God is in this place and His power is at your disposal. And whenever you get the point, amen, whenever you realize, I want you to reach out to God because there's people in here today that you've kind of held back, but you really need God. You need God to show up. You don't need another dry church service. You don't need another lesson in the deep concepts of the Word of God. Not that we never should get there, but the Bible says that's for those that are mature. But when you're coming to the Lord, you don't need a great message with a lot of nuance and, and uh, uh, a lot of depth and, and, and real creative, persuasive speeches. You need to experience God's power. The Apostle Paul was saying the church is going to be built on the power of God. Not my personality, not my speaking skills, not my use of logic, but the power of God is going to declare the message of truth. And I'm thankful for God's power. Amen. I need a witness in the house. I'm thankful that the power of God still delivers from drug addiction. Amen. What a 12-step program can't accomplish, the power of the gospel when people cry out to God can accomplish. Amen. God is a powerful God, and He's able to do all things. And, uh, you, you know, uh, right now, here's, here's what I feel. I feel when I speak words about God's power in this place, for whatever reason, it's like coming out and just like hitting the ground. It's not soaring. It's not flying. It's like coming out and 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to preach. And while I'm preaching, I'm going to ask unbelief to be pushed out of the room. I'm going to ask unbelief to be pushed out of my heart. I'm going to ask unbelief to be pushed out of your heart. And while I preach about the power of God, you're going to suddenly believe that God's able and that God's willing and that God desires to minister to the needs that are in this place. And before we leave here today, I'm believing for an explosion of God's power and anointing and and the power of the Spirit to take over this service. See, I don't want control of this service. I want to turn it over to the Holy Spirit. And once we realize that God's here to work today, not just to not just to tickle our ears or to let us hear a fancy sermon, but God's here to deliver people. God's here to take the burden of sin off of people. God's here to deliver people from hopelessness and despair. God wants to put joy back in your heart. And I don't mean just because you heard a fancy sermon or just because you heard a good thought, but because God said, I'm taking that heaviness off of you. I'm going to reach down and in my spirit is going to take that heaviness off of you and I'm going to replace it with the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's put our hands together one more time. Thank you, Jesus. God, I believe you're going to work in this house today. Let your will be done, I pray, dear God, and show yourself mighty. Lord, I pray in the name of the Lord against all unbelief. Let faith be in the house, Lord God. Let people believe you for great and mighty things. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Everybody shout amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. I feel sorry for kids today because I watch the video games that they play. And they've got vehicles that they're driving all over town and mowing people down and, and blowing cars up. And uh, I, I watch these video games and they're so realistic. And all the uh, pictures and the pixels are in such a way that it looks like real people. It looks like you're watching something really take place. And I look at these games and I'm like, how in the world do they figure out how to play these? How can they, uh, they must have to go to school and get a, uh, a degree in, in figuring out how all these video games work. Because when I was growing up, video games were different. And uh, in uh, 1979, 1980, there was a breakout game that hit the United States from Japan in 1980 that became very popular. And up to this point, the only video games that you could find in Pizza Hut or uh, uh, places that you went to eat, and they'd have video games. Nobody had them in their house at this time. But you could go play with the big arcade games. And uh, the only game was like Space Invaders. And, and the only, uh, uh, the only uh, uh, a sports game was called Pong. And it was like a little dot going across the screen, and you tried to move your man so that it would actually hit the dot instead of missing it. Space Invaders, you're just like shooting asteroids out of the sky. But in 1979, 1980, there was a game that came out that swept the nation and became very popular. This game was called, anybody know the name of the game? Pac-Man. That game was called Pac-Man, a very, very popular game, the most popular game that's ever been made. And uh, uh, how many have ever played Pac-Man before? All right, that's good. Most of you have played it before, so you know what it's all about. Some of you have not played it before, and I don't know where you've been, but, uh, but when I was uh, 12 and 13, 11, 12 and 13, even younger, this game was in every Pizza Hut, and after youth service, we'd go over and, and play Pac-Man. But here, here's how Pac-Man works. The hero, which was basically a blinking yellow dot, 
that looked like it had a mouth that was opening and closing that moved across the screen. It was just like a moving head. I don't know where his body was, but Pac-Man was just a moving head that went throughout a maze. And as it went through the maze, it was eating all of these little dots or pellets. And in order to pass to the next screen, it had to ingest all of these pellets. And then you got so many points for finishing the screen, and you move to the next screen. Now, here's where the drama comes in, because if it were just that, it would be pretty easy. You could just play all day eating dots. But somebody decided there's got to be some drama to this game to make it a challenge. And the challenge was floating around the maze was not just Pac-Man, but also there were these four ghosts. I think their name was Inky, Blinky, Pinky. Yeah, right, not Stinky. Uh, but these, these ghosts would like travel, and they were different colors, and they would travel throughout the maze, and they were all chasing Pac-Man. Anybody remember that? They're all going around the maze trying to get to, and so you get stuck. If you get in the wrong place, you make a wrong turn, they're all coming, swarming at you. And if the ghost hits Pac-Man, that, remember the noise? And Pac-Man turns inside out and dies. So the ghosts are pursuing Pac-Man. But all of a sudden, on the screen, there were two pellets that were larger than the rest of them. Anybody remember that? On one side and on the other side. They called these the power pellets. And when Pac-Man happened upon a power pellet and ingested this big power pellet, it absolutely flipped the script. And all of a sudden, these ghosts that are pursuing and about to destroy Pac-Man, when he hits the power pellet, those guys turn blue. And they start running away from Pac-Man. And they've all been chasing him. But he hits the power pellet. And all of a sudden all those ghosts are like, I'll see you later, Pac-Man. And they start running away. And for a period of time, Pac-Man is empowered to destroy those things that are trying to destroy him. When it hits the power pellet, it has a moment of time. And once it comes upon a ghost, it not only destroys it, but... It gets points as well. And now Pac-Man, our hero, has power over the ghosts and can destroy them after it ingests a power pellet. Now, the spiritual parallel for you guys that aren't putting this together is that as Christians, we are kind of like Pac-Man. We are pursued not by ghosts but by evil spirits and by our flesh that has the power to try and to destroy us in our Christian walk. Amen? Not that these things are going to literally kill us, but that they destroy our walk with God and our relationship with God and our connection with the Lord. We war against evil spirits, spiritual wickedness, and our own flesh. And often, like Pac-Man, we feel pursued and oppressed, and we're just trying to stay alive, and we're just trying to keep ahead of the enemy's efforts to destroy us and to destroy our family. It's basically a game of survival, running through this maze of life trying to stay away from that power that's seeking to destroy us. But I've come to preach to you today, not about Pac-Man, but about power points, like the power pellets, that all of a sudden when we understand them and when we take hold of them, it changes us from the pursued to the pursuer. Amen. And those things that would seek to destroy us in our spiritual growth and in our relationship and connection with God, we are able to do war against the enemy. 
We are able to intimidate the enemy. And I'm wondering, what side of the power pellet do you want to be on? Do you want to be pursued? Or would you like to take hold of these things that God has given us uh, to empower us uh, to do war against the enemy? And once you are empowered, you can make the enemy miserable. Amen? And we looked at the life and ministry of Jesus. The thing that encapsulated the ministry of Jesus and really made it special and validated his ministry was his power. It was the power of Jesus that attracted people. It was the power of Jesus that caused people to come from all over. And when you look in the Gospels, you see references to Jesus' power over and over again. The fact that he had power to forgive sins. They said no one can forgive sins but God. But Jesus is going about to sinners and forgiving them from their sins because he possessed power over sin. Not only that, but Jesus proved time and time again that he had power. When I say power, that means the ability to accomplish. He had power over sickness and disease. And everywhere that Jesus went, there were miracles that followed. Everywhere that Jesus went, people were being delivered from various types of sicknesses and diseases. Diseases perhaps that they didn't even know about. Diseases that we struggle with today in, in, uh, in, modern, in our modern culture that probably were in evidence, but doctors didn't know what to call them. But Jesus' power over sickness was something that attracted people. It was not just that he prayed for people, but it was that he had power over sickness. He was not intimidated by any disease. He was not intimidated by any symptom or any sickness because he had power over these sicknesses. Another thing that very much was an attracting force to Jesus Christ was his power over, over evil spirits. That uh, 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 demonic oppression and demonic possession and even no doubt mental illnesses that were probably prevalent during that day and uh, uh, seen as madness uh, in that time. That Jesus could take people who were oppressed uh, with devils and possessed with devils uh, and these great spirits that had dominion and power over individuals would rear their heads in front of Jesus uh, and Jesus would say, Satan, be loosed from this person. And when Jesus spoke the word, all of a sudden those people were delivered from the power of the enemy. Amen. So it was Jesus' power. Not that Jesus was so smooth of a speaker, even though he was a good speaker. Not that he was such an inventive teacher, even though he was the greatest of teachers. But it was the power of Jesus Christ that attracted people to him, that got his kingdom going. The kingdom of God was about God's authority over the elements of this world and how that God was giving us that authority as members of the kingdom of God. And not only was Jesus' ministry validated by his power, but the Apostle Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture that we read that when we take the gospel to the world, our ministries should be validated by the power of the Holy Spirit as well. The Apostle Paul said, I don't want my ministry to be earmarked by my fancy speaking, but I want my ministry, just like the ministry of Jesus Christ, to be earmarked by the fact that through the declaration of the Word of God, that people can be delivered from a lifestyle of sin, that people can be delivered from possession and oppression of the enemy, that people can be healed from disease and sickness. Amen. Paul 
Paul said, this is what the gospel message is going to ride on. It's not going to ride on the wheels of my intellect. And it's not going to ride on the wheels of my persuasive speaking. But the gospel that's going to move the world is going to ride on the wheels of a demonstration of the power of God. Come on, put your hands together. See, if we put too much emphasis on philosophy, if we put too much emphasis on wisdom, if we put too much emphasis on words and verbiage, what we end up doing is weakening the gospel. Amen? 1 Corinthians 4 and 20 says, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Let me say that again. It says the kingdom of God is not in word, but it is in power. See, I can stand in front of you all day long and declare all the truths of Scripture. But a person who is bound by sin, a person who is wrapped up by addictions and habits that is destroying them and destroying their future and destroying their family, a person who cannot help themselves and continues to make uh, make mistakes because of their sinful nature and because of that thing that's working in them to destroy them. Amen? When they hear all of these words, they're like, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds great. But when they see the power of God at work, And when they see somebody who used to be addicted to drugs and who used to be bound by the habits of sin, but the power of the Spirit has delivered them, all of a sudden they say, I want to hear what you have to say now. Because the gospel is not about the words that we speak, but the gospel is about the power of Jesus Christ being displayed among people today. So... Here's the point. God wants us to minister with power. He doesn't want us to learn so much that our brains are so big that we can't even hold our head up and just go around and impress people with our finesse and philosophy. But we, we've got to have the power of God in operation in our church. If you want to be a witness, you've got to have the power of God in operation in your life. You've got to have faith to believe that God will answer your prayers when you pray. That God will make things happen. And I'm preaching against a wall of unbelief in this house today. And for whatever reason, I'm ready to push it. I feel the Spirit of the Lord pressing on my heart that there's some people that need to need to be reminded of the fact that greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. That means the Spirit of God in you is greater than cancer. The Spirit of God that is inside of of you is greater than drug addiction. The Spirit of God that is inside of you is greater than anything that holds power over people in this world today. I want to remind you that when Jesus gave you the Holy Ghost, He said you will receive power when the Holy Ghost. You're not going to receive wisdom and great insight and depth, but you're going to have power. Hallelujah. So it's time for you to quit being intimidated. It's time for you to quit walking around like this. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to live. Oh, God, I'm two steps in front of the enemy. He's trying to take me out. Oh, temptation is after me. Oh, my Lord, I'm going to lose out with God. God wants to put you in touch with something that flips the script. Wait a minute. And you begin to pursue after the enemy. You begin to make a dent in the kingdom of the enemy. Rather than barely making it, you begin to help other people be delivered from sin. 
you begin to watch God work in other people's life. Man, I'm not as young as I used to be. Let me catch my breath. Amen. Remind me, if I ever preach this again, I'm going to do it in the winter, not in the summer. So the point is, God has left us in his word examples of PowerPoints, power pellets, that God says, this is your power. Boom. You're being pursued. You're fearful. I want you to take hold of these PowerPoints. And I want you to realize that God's given you authority. That you have authority through these. And some of them overlap. There's seven. First of all, PowerPoint number one is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the preaching of the cross of Jesus Christ is to them that perish foolishness. Somebody is not a believer. You preach about the cross. They're like, I've heard this before. Let me hear something of interest. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. When I'm preaching about the cross, I'm not talking about a piece of wood. But I'm talking about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The blood that was shed on the cross to forgive you of your sins and to wash your sins away. When I speak of the cross, I'm talking about the power that's in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And the gospel message is the message of power. You know, you go to uh, uh, churches uh, and, uh, and, and, and various uh, religious centers, and man, you can hear sermons on everything. I mean, just everything. Like, uh, you'll hear a sermon on a paperclip or Superman or Pac-Man. Or you can just hear messages about everything. But seldom do you go into a, a church anymore, unfortunately, where they just stand up and say, the blood of Jesus has power to wash away your sins. And the cross of Jesus Christ... The fact that Jesus died and was buried and rose again has taken authority and dominion over sin in your life. See, you've got people trying to work it out on their own, trying to get over their habits, trying to defeat the, the force of sin in their life. In the meantime, what they need to hear is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which says if you repent of your sins, if you'll be buried in waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and if you receive the power of the Holy Ghost, uh, then God will take care of all that. See, you can't save yourself uh, by quitting habits. You can't save yourself by trying to clean up your life. Hey, that's admirable, but it's a waste of effort and a waste of time. Because the only thing that can save you is the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord is the only thing that will change you and save you. And when you accept what Jesus has done for you, then he will give you power to live above sin. I just went through my Bible and I studied out PowerPoints of Pentecost. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Jesus died. He was buried. He rose again. You need to repent, be baptized in water, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed of that message because that's where the power is. 
Hey, you know what? I can be a, I can be a philosopher and put the, my glasses on the end of my nose and talk about all the ins and outs and nuances of what I think about this and that. Uh, and you can sit there and act like you're very interested at the end. That was very, very interesting. I don't know what he said, but whoa, it was very deep. It was so deep I couldn't get down there. But you know what I, I choose to do? I choose to stand up and declare that all of that is a bunch of waste of time. What's going to change your life is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And what will change your life is accepting the sacrifice of Christ and applying it to your life through repentance and water baptism and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 1.5. Check this verse out. It says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. You, you know what I take that to mean? If the gospel is just something you tell someone and they accept it and they go on and their life is just the same as before, then that's a gospel in word only. That's good news. That's like, hey, Costco's is having a sale. Well, isn't that great? Let's spread the good news. But you never go. That's good news in word only. But in power is when God you receive the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then you apply it to your life. And when you apply it to your life, it begins to change everything about you. It, I said it begins to change everything about you. Man, we heard some exciting testimonies in New Life class today about those that came and what the gospel did to transform their life. One of the young ladies in the class said, all my friends from school or work or whatever, they, they say, what has happened to you? There's something different about you. You're nicer and sweeter and softer than you used to be. And she said, it's church. It's God. I don't know. It's just something's changed. That's the power of the gospel. See, the gospel's not about just some words. And, well, I believe this group of words, and I believe this church. It's about the power of God to come in and transform and to change a life. The gospel is not in word only, but the gospel is in power. That's our PowerPoint is Pentecostal. We don't got to go and follow and try to be like everyone else. Try to be philosophers and make everybody so comfortable. They fall asleep in church and they're like, oh, yeah, this is just like being in my living room. Where's the lazy boy? Click it on. Oh, look. We want the power of God to be demonstrated in the house of the Lord so that people can be changed. Amen. PowerPoint number two is linked to PowerPoint one. PowerPoint two is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about things that the Bible specifically says that this is a PowerPoint for you. Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, all Judea, the uttermost part of Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. The point is when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you receive power. You know, we don't have to get real deep here. The Bible made it real plain. If you receive the Holy Ghost, you're going to get power. And just in case you need another validation, look at Acts 1, verse 8. Those words are written in red, which means they are the words of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you're going to receive power. He was talking to his disciples that had listened to him and followed him and seen the miracles and had great faith in Jesus Christ after Jesus rose from the dead. But Jesus said, oh, that's great, but you're getting ready to get some power. And you're going to receive this power after that the Holy Spirit is come upon you. And the Lord has promised to his disciples and to you and me that when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God gives us great power.
power to be a witness and to share the gospel with them. I want to remind you, I want to remind you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just your ticket to heaven. It's not just goosebumps for the ride. It's not just a good feeling and some funny speaking, but it is the power of God. It is the power of God. He said, I'm going to put power in you. Hallelujah. And so, if you want God's power to defeat the enemy, I challenge you to experience this glorious experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you may be listening to me today, and you're thinking, well, my pastor said that when I put my faith in Jesus, that I automatically receive the Holy Spirit. That since I believed in Jesus, that I am automatically endued with the Holy Spirit. The problem is, um, that's not scriptural. And I'm I'm not wanting to open up a can of worms or start an argument, but the Bible makes it really clear in Acts chapter 8 that there were believers who believed in Jesus Christ and were baptized in the name of Jesus, but they had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So that lets me know that the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes after you believe. That's why uh, in Acts chapter 19... The Apostle Paul asked those believers, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Because that's the, that's the process. You believe in Jesus Christ, and it may be just a day. It may be just 30 minutes. It may be five minutes. It may be months, and for some it may be years. But if you believe in Jesus Christ and you accept the message of the Word of God, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the Lord promises that you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a Pentecostal PowerPoint. And if you want power to turn the script around, and you've been pursued, and you're trying to live above sin, you're doing your best, as, as Paul said in Acts chapter, uh, Romans chapter 7, as he's describing how somebody lived before they received the Holy Ghost, he said, I knew what was right, I tried to do it, but I always ended up doing what was wrong. Can anybody relate to Paul? But he said, but when I received the Spirit, And I learned how to walk in the Spirit. There was no more condemnation. There was no more guilt. There was no more living for sin. Because the power of the Holy Ghost and the power of the blood of Jesus as applied through the Holy Spirit gave me power. So it's a simple message. But the message is the same way they received the the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts is the same way that we believe that you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the year of 2007. Everybody with me? What does that mean, Pastor? That means that just like when they received the Holy Ghost, they began to speak in other languages that they never learned before as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance that when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, this is going to be the first evidence. And you say, well, you're pretty presumptuous to say that. Maybe I haven't experienced that before. Maybe I feel like I have the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, when you experience, and I'm not saying if, I'm saying when because I'm speaking faith. Because God wants to give you the Holy Ghost today. God wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit today. I wonder if I got a witness in the house that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is one of the greatest experiences that you've ever had in your life. It begins to change everything about you begins to change your desires. It turns your world upside down and makes the enemy scared of you. Amen. Because now you've got power. 
Hallelujah. Say, how do I receive this, Pastor Brown? If I want this PowerPoint. I feel like Pac-Man. The, the ghosts have been chasing me. I want this power. Let me tell you how to receive this power. The Bible says repent. That means give your life to Jesus. You say, I've already done that, Pastor. Awesome. You're halfway there or one-third of the way there. It says, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or washing away of your sin. Say, well, Pastor, I was baptized when I was a baby. The, 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 the man had the rubber glove and he sprinkled me. Well, you know what? That's fine. That's great. But the Bible says, be baptized. When the Bible talks about baptism, it's talking about immersion. And it says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I challenge you to obey the word of God. Say, well, it doesn't matter. It does matter. It doesn't matter. It wouldn't be in the Bible. He wouldn't command them to be baptized. He wouldn't say, if you believe in baptized, you shall be saved. Say, well, you're being kind of pushy, Pastor. Well, you know what? That's the gospel message. That's the good news. I don't know what you've heard up to this point, but the Bible says repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's a promise from God. But the cool part is, the cool part is, is I've seen, and the Bible gives examples of people who repented of their sins, and even before they were baptized in Jesus' name, God baptized them with the Holy Spirit, and they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. Come on, I'm preaching faith right now, so I need some people who have experienced what I'm talking about. Uh, amen. To declare, hallelujah, to clap your hands and shout, it's real, hallelujah, it's real. I'm talking about changing your life. I'm talking about a brand new future. Through the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Clap your hands to the Lord. PowerPoint number three is truth. The truth in the Word of God. I believe that the whole truth is wrapped up in the Word of the Lord. It does not come from anybody else. It's not this person's opinion or that person's opinion or historical account. The truth is in the word of the Lord. And the spirit of truth leads us and guides us to truth. And John 8 and 31 says, Jesus said to the Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, not in everybody else's ideas and philosophies, but if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Deliverance and liberty is in the Word of God. This is a PowerPoint for you, my brothers and sisters, is the Word of God. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hallelujah. The Bible says it's a sword that cuts deep. The Bible says the Word of God is like a fire that burns out the chaff. The Word of God, it says of itself, it's like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. There's nothing more powerful. There's nothing more uh, liberating than the Word of God and the truth of God's Word. So if you're playing spiritual Pac-Man, the big bubble, the big power pellet is going to be a holy Bible. And this Bible won't help me just because I got it under my arm. This Bible won't help me just because I got it on my shelf. I may have seven Bibles in my house. You may have 32 Bibles in your house and 14 in your garage. But they're not going to help you unless you get it in your heart. 
unless you read it, unless you obey it, unless you apply it. And when you get the word of God in your heart, amen. Brother Steele was telling me this week, he said, this, is, this year I kept up with my Bible reading and it's been such a source of strength and encouragement to me. The word of God is your power. If you're not plugged into the word, no wonder you're struggling. No wonder you're doing this number. Get in the Word. Put it in your heart. Because you know what? When Pac-Man passed a power pellet, he didn't just pass it by and say, Oh, check it out. There's a power pellet. Maybe I got power now. What did he got to eat the thing? Amen. And when he got it inside. The Word of God, when you get it inside, it's a source of power that turns uh, the enemy into a fearful and running. And you can pursue after him. PowerPoint 4, the name of Jesus. Acts 3.12. The great miracle that happened. Peter saw it. He answered unto the people, you men of Israel, why are you surprised at this? Why are you looking on us with such earnest hearts as if by our own power or holiness we made this man walk? Verse 16, it was his name or Jesus' name through faith in his name that hath made this man strong whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And then in chapter 4, he related again. He said, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand before you whole. This crippled man that's been sitting every day by the beautiful gate at the opening of the temple, you've seen him wheeled in. You watched him let him out of his chair. And put him on the ground. You've seen them carry him off. You've been watching it for weeks. You've been watching it for years. And you're wondering, how is he standing before us now? Who's the great surgeon? Who's the great doctor? Peter, John, you guys were there. You must have some great power. You must be godly and holy men. He said, don't look at me. Let me tell you where the power source is. It was Jesus' name. Through faith in the name of Jesus. That caused this man to stand before you whole. And then he says, the next verse, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus has the power to save. PowerPoint number five is... And I'm just telling you what I found in Scripture. I didn't pick or choose, just finding. Pentecostal PowerPoints is a godly, submitted woman. A godly, submitted woman is like a lightning rod of power. See, James says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will Come on now. He will do what? (laughs) Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And that's like a power pellet. That spirit that's been pursuing you begins to run away from you. Submit to God. 
Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I don't have time to get deeply into this subject, but I want to mention it because this is a Pentecostal power point. PowerPoint. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse 6, it says, For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. And a little bit later it says, Her long hair is given to her as a covering. And then it says in verse 10, For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Let me read what verse 10 in the New Living Translation says. For this reason, and because the angels are watching, a woman should wear a covering on her head to show she is under authority. And the Bible says this is a PowerPoint. In the passage of Scripture that I'm reading to you, and I'm just, I'm unashamed to declare to you that Al Gore is not the only one that has an inconvenient truth. Because this is an inconvenient truth that used to be preached at all the churches. But with society's development, this was kind of pushed out. Let's forget about this passage. It's kind of confusing. You know, let's just... And I'm preaching it as a PowerPoint. There is power in this principle of Scripture. My God. Because the Bible says that there is a symbol of submission to divine authority. That is demonstrated in men and women in relationship to their hair. And somebody says, well, uh, th- this, this really doesn't make much sense to me. And, and I don't understand it. But I want you to listen because I'm not talking to you about your salvation right now. Your salvation happened at the cross of Jesus Christ. But I'm talking about a PowerPoint. And I hope you're not uncomfortable. But I want you to hear what the word of the Lord is saying here. Amen. Because of the woman's unique place in God's creation, a woman who is submitted to God and understands her position is given power or liberty of action or authority or delegated power or influence. And she has exercised a God-given right to guard her home, her husband, her children, and her church. In case there's any questions... The point of this passage of Scripture is, is that God has chosen. I don't understand it. I can't understand it. I don't even know if Paul even understood it. But he said God has chosen that the hair of a human being be the way that they demonstrate their submission to authority. And the hair of a man is to be short. That's not my opinion. It's what the Word of God says. It says if a man has long hair, it's a disgrace or a shame to him. If a woman cuts her hair, it's a shame or a disgrace because the hair was given to her for a covering. So whenever the Bible talks about a covering, it's not talking about putting a hat on. It's not talking about putting a lid on. It's not talking about a veil. It's talking about letting your hair grow. And when you let your hair grow, you are giving a symbol to the spirit realm that I am under authority. I choose to submit to God. I choose to submit to his word. And I understand that by submitting, God is going to grant unto me power. See, I, 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 I hear it all the time. People walk into our church and they're like, my God, what is different about that church? I walk in there and it's like, my Lord, the power of God is present. You know, one of our PowerPoints is we've got some godly women. 
who despite split ends and despite frustration with hairdos, decided that, you know what? God has given a promise in his word that if I submit and I do this thing, which the Bible says the angels... Some say, well, that's talking about angels. Some say that's talking about demons. I don't know what, what all it's talking about. But the spirit realm takes note, and there is power. That's why you hear the stories of the ladies. Not that it's an idol or anything like that, but it's a symbol of submission. They say, God, I did what you said. And their baby's sick, and they put the hair on the child. And not that the hair has any healing power, but, God, I'm holding you to your promise, son. You promised me. And there is power. There is authority. You can pray for your family. I told you, it's more than Al Gore that has an inconvenient truth. I know it's an inconvenience, but it's a PowerPoint. And I'm talking about putting Satan on the run. I'm talking about a church that has authority to storm the gates of hell. My God. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, praise the Lord right now for me. some interesting thing you know hair is very uh uh very prominent in the black arts or the dark arts the significance and symbolism of hair the encyclopedia of superstition folklore and occult says that a woman's hair is the most precious amulet and wards off evils and diseases the power of magic secrets and mysteries ancient and modern says hair has always been a strong considered strong magic witches casting an evil cell needed a piece of hair from their victim to make it truly efficacious uh, another one symbols and sacred objects woman's dictionary woman's hair carried heavy symbolic and spiritual significance in oriental religions uh, sages proclaimed that the binding or unbinding of a woman's hair could control cosmic powers of creation and destruction we go on and on and on and all those are like you know, crazy, uh, uh, the dark side. But the point is, even though, you know, all this black magic and stuff, we don't espouse it. We oppose it. And the Bible says we should destroy it, any vestiges of it from our life. But the point is, the point I'm trying to make by reading you these is that even the dark side understands the significance of hair. And there are churches that have walked away from the scripture because it's inconvenient to preach because people don't like to hear it and it's offensive. But you know what? The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. I believe God laid it on my heart. Remind Life Church that there is power in a godly, submitted woman. Hallelujah. Who decides if it's in the book, even if it's inconvenient, and even if nine out of ten churches just say, don't worry about it, it doesn't mean anything. I'm going to, I want God's power in my life. I want God's anointing in my life. I want God's authority in my life. I want God to use me. And I'm making a commitment. And I don't exalt her or I'm not here to lift her up or to uh, make her appear greater than somebody else. But I'm thank, I thank God for my wife because she's a godly woman who years ago came to understand this principle. If you've never heard it before, I mean, who could expect for you to understand it? But it's a principle of power. It's a power point in the word of God. And it is, amen, that by letting your hair grow and by men submitting to the word of God, that the angels understand you're under authority. And since you're under authority, you have God's authority in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. So. The point is, if you want power, make a commitment to the Lord and let it grow. You say, my hair only comes down to here. If you make a commitment to the Lord and let it grow, you've got long hair.
You say, but it's short. No, you're letting it grow. It's long. That's the point. The point is not how long it is. The point is that you made a decision to let it grow. Say, this is God's plan, and you let it grow. This is different, isn't it? You let it grow, and watch God's power begin to be exercised in your life. Watch God's anointing begin to flow you, flow through you as a godly submitted woman. PowerPoint number six is unity. Unity is a PowerPoint of Scripture. In fact, in the Old Testament, when they were beginning to build the Tower of Babel to extend up to heaven, the Lord said, hey, the people are as one. And since there is one, nothing, nothing at all shall be held back from them. In other words, when they come together in unity, great things can happen. And in the body of Christ, I'm just telling you the PowerPoints. I didn't pick and choose these because of some agenda I had. I went through the PowerPoints, and it was like, wow, look at these PowerPoints in Scripture. Another PowerPoint is unity. And when we as a church fight for unity by refusing to gossip about our brother or our sister, by refusing to have our own agenda and go our own direction, but say, God, help me be a part of what you're doing at Life Church or wherever it is that you go to church. Say, God, I want to be involved. I want to be behind it. Uh, I'm not going to gossip about my brothers or sisters. Uh, I'm not going to gossip about this person or that person. And I'm going to follow and submit to gospel leadership. Uh, and then the power of God is in a church that's unified. If you don't believe it, watch the opposite. Watch a church get divided and watch the enemy end up with the last laugh. Amen. Number seven. I got to number seven. Number seven is, PowerPoint, is prayer and fasting with faith. Prayer and fasting with faith. Ephesians 6.18, pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. James 5 and 15, the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Here's the words of Jesus, Matthew 17, 20. Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. This evil spirit that they could not pass, cast out. Why didn't it happen? Jesus said, because of unbelief. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, speak to the mountain, say, be removed, cast into the sea, it shall be done. How be it? However, this type of spirit cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. Jesus was saying, by the way, disciples, you've got power, but you're not Jesus Christ. Sometimes, in order to receive great miracles and see God do a work, you've got to get it through prayer and fasting. Jesus was saying there are some things uh, that you need an extra power burst. Uh, you need an extra power. And I'm talking to a church. Uh, I'm talking to a man right now that needs to understand that our power source uh, is through prayer and fasting. It's not our style of music. It's not our style of preaching. It's not what the name of our sign is or the denomination that uh, we belong to or movement we are a part of. What gives us our power is prayer and fasting. It's touching into the power of God. 
And the Lord's been dealing with me heavily in the last few weeks. Uh, it's time for Life Church to go on a prayer and fasting revival. It's time for us to go on a prayer and fasting revival. Some of you may remember Brother Simeon Costa. He's trying to arrange his schedule to be with us in September so we can go on a prayer and fasting revival. You know why? Because we need God's power. Because there's people walking through our doors that need deliverance. They need God to open up the windows of heaven for them. They need God to break the chains of sin on their life. And it comes through prayer and fasting. Matthew 21, 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. This is a PowerPoint. These are things that you can tap into. I want God's power in my life. I want the power and the anointing of the Spirit in our church services. That doesn't come easy. That doesn't come cheap. But it comes because people understand and commit to the disciplines to see it happen and to make it happen in their lives. And I don't know about you, but my heartbeat is life church better not be just another church on another corner in another city. Where people come in and hear sermons and listen to people talk about philosophy and theories and ideas. But Life Church had better be a place that when people walk through the doors of this building, whatever it is that they're struggling with, whether it's a habit of sin, whether it's an oppressive spirit of fear, whatever it is that they're struggling with, that when they walk through the doors and the gospel message begins to be preached, that the chains begin to fall off, that deliverance begins. I I don't care about a crowd, but I do care about the power of God being in our midst and the evidence of the glory of God. Hallelujah. Let's stand together and clap our hands right now. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord right now. Jesus is here in this place. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Cross this place. Let's lift up our hands right now. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, say, Lord, I surrender to you, Jesus. Send it on down, Lord Jesus. Send it on down.
I feel like there's someone here today who is tired of running. I'm tired of trying to stay ahead of your mistakes. Trying to stay ahead of your personal failures. Trying to stay ahead of your weaknesses. And repeated behaviors and habits and tendencies that you're wondering... Why, why, why am I, I just feel like I'm, I'm being pursued. And I, I, I want to defeat these demons, you understand? I don't mean real demons, I'm talking about things that are haunting me and bothering me. Depressing me, frustrating me. And you've come in here into this house today, not by chance. God's brought you into this house today on purpose. Because He wanted to reveal to you the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The power of the blood of Jesus. The power of repentance. The power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Here's what we're going to do here right now this afternoon as we close the service. Is we want to do a, have a moment of repentance, which means releasing it to God. God, I've been trying to I've been trying to beat this thing. I've been trying to defeat this addiction in my life. I've been trying to I've been trying through, through my own strength to to become a better person to clean up my life but it seems like I just keep stumbling back into the same mess over and over again and God I'm tired of trying I'm tired of doing it I'm tired of doing it myself because I always mess it up God and I think there's a reason for that because you want me to understand how much I need you and so Lord what I'm doing is I'm, I'm giving it up I'm, I'm, I'm putting it in your hands I'm asking you to forgive me I'm asking you to cleanse me I'm saying Lord I can't change my life I need you to change my life. And as you make that declaration of the Lord, the Bible calls this repentance. Repentance. And that as you are doing that, as you're speaking these words to the Lord, saying, God, I'm I'm giving it to you. I've tried to do it myself. I'm putting it in your hands. God, forgive me of all the sins I've done, all the mistakes I've made. Give me a brand new life. The Bible says that by faith, that Jesus Christ will forgive you of your sins. As you make a prayer like that. It's not just, God, I'm sorry. But it's, God, I want you to take over this situation in my life. I'm giving it to you. And as you repent of your sins, the Lord Jesus Christ will forgive you. And I'm telling you today that there's somebody in this house that you're going to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) For the first time today. Yeah, I said it. In Jesus' name, the power of the Holy Ghost is in this place. And God wants to give you this great promise. Amen. I've seen literally hundreds of people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my lifetime. Some people fall out. Some people stand there. Some people shake. Many people cry. Some people begin to laugh. But all of them begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gives them the utterance. Hallelujah. And the Spirit of the Lord is here. And God wants to feel you. God wants to touch you. Amen. I want you to grab the hand of the person next to you right now. I want you to look at them and say, you want to go pray for a minute? 
Let's go talk to Jesus. Let's go give our life to the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. This altar is open, and we're going to come forward right now. We're going to go through a repentance prayer together. And I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is going to be poured out in many people's lives. Come on, that's it. Hallelujah. It's time. It's time for you to quit running. It's time. You've been letting the ghosts chase you long enough. You've been letting these things in your life have dominion over you. But in the name of Jesus, come on right now. I want you to respond to the Spirit of the Lord because Jesus is here and His Spirit is going to fall in this place. And I feel faith in the house right now. I feel faith to believe that whatever I need from God, God's going to give it to me. Hallelujah. Some of you are going to experience something from God you've never experienced before. Don't be afraid. It's a good thing. Amen. We're not going to give you any bad medicine. (laughs) Anything from God. As God gives it, it's a promise from the Word of the Lord. You shall receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And you'll speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. And God's going to give you power. You say, but I've tried everything. I know. It's time to really try God. It's time to really turn it over to the Lord. Now, saints of God, I need you to move in. Spirit-filled people, I want you to find somebody to pray with right now. Because we have a number of people up here that we're going to help them pray through a prayer of repentance. And really turn things over to the Lord. And then the Spirit of the Lord is going to fall in this place in a powerful way. There's somebody here in this place. I'm talking to you right now. You were encouraged a few weeks ago, but you're discouraged right now. And the Spirit of the Lord has brought you here to give you a PowerPoint. To give you a PowerPoint to flip the script to turn things around. And it's through the power of the Spirit of God. Jesus is here to do that for you. In the name of the Lord. In just a minute, I I want us to stop praying for just a second. I want you to listen to me. We're going to go through this time of surrendering things to the Lord first. And then as we surrender things to the Lord, then we put ourselves in a position for God to fill us with His Spirit. So here's what I'd like you to do. Just close your eyes with me right now. And uh, I want you to, in your own way, just say your own words to the Lord. I want you to basically say this. Just listen to this, this, this little point. And I want you to make this point to the Lord. Basically, God, I've been trying to do it myself. I've been trying to fix things. I've been trying to clean it up. I've been trying to take care of it myself. Lord, you know as well as I know that I've been very ineffective. And Lord, I'm just giving it to you. I'm turning it over to you right now, Jesus. And, and I'm sorry for the mistakes I've made. I'm sorry for the mess I've made in my life. I'm sorry that I haven't lived up to your standard, Lord Jesus. I want you to forgive me. I want you to pray that right now. Everybody in the house, I want you to, in your own ways, if you feel that in your spirit, let the Lord know that. Lord Jesus, God, I've been trying to do it myself. Hallelujah, Jesus, been up and down. Lord, I'm, I'm tired of trying to do it by myself. I'm weary of trying to handle it on my own. I need your power. I need the power of your spirit, Jesus. If this preacher's telling me the truth, God, I believe you right now. It's in the Bible, and I believe, God, that you can give me this promise. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, Oh, God, forgive me. God, cleanse me. I want you to make me clean, Jesus. I want, you to, I want you to begin all over again. I want a fresh start, Lord Jesus. God, give me a fresh start. Come on, tell him right now. Jesus, I want a fresh start. I want to start over, Lord God. Uh, hallelujah. Forgive me, Jesus. Uh, let your blood cleanse me. Preacher said that, you, that your blood will wash my sins away. God, I'm asking you to do that right now. Give me a fresh start. Uh, I'm turning it over to you, Lord God. I'm turning the frustration over to you. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Does anybody feel lighter already? 
Is there anybody that's beginning to feel lighter already? You know why? That's because Jesus is forgiving you. He's promised in His Word that He would forgive you. And you're feeling His forgiveness right now. I want you just to begin to thank Him for it now. Just like you thank somebody. Thank you, Jesus. I can't tell you enough. Thank you for a fresh start, Lord God. Thank you for the promise of your word, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Now all over this place, I want you to lift up your hands. And I just want you to begin to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I want you to expect that God's Spirit is going to come upon you. Say, Lord, I want the Holy Ghost. Jesus, I want a renewal of the Holy Ghost. Jesus, I want to experience this promise from your word. I believe it's real, and I'm ready to receive it. Lift up your hands right now and begin to cry out to God. You may need to lift your voice and say, Jesus, here I am. I'm the one that needs you. I'm crying out to you because I don't want to try to make it on my own. I want your help, Jesus. I want your power and your anointing. Now lift up your hands and let the Spirit begin to flow right now. Come on, Holy Ghost filled people. I want you to help me pray some people through to the Holy Ghost right now.
lift up your voice. The Spirit of the Lord is falling in this place right now. Come on, cry out to the Lord Jesus. Come on, it's getting ready to fall in this place. Hey, don't stop yet. Here it comes. Here comes the anointing. Here comes the outpouring.
Hallelujah. Come on, this is a cool spot right now. This is where you can just you can just merge into the presence of the Lord and pray in the Spirit. I need some Spirit-filled people to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Because God's moving in this place. Shut up.
Hallelujah. It's time to get things right with the Lord. It's time to let His Spirit come upon us in a fresh way. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. It's fallen in this place with refreshing waves. Refreshing waves of anointing. Hallelujah. Oh God, you break down walls, Jesus. God, you open up doors. You make things available to us. I thank you, Jesus, for it. that are praying, we want to encourage them to continue praying and experiencing the power of God. I know there's some that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I believe, today for the first time. Those that have been refilled with the Holy Spirit. Man, isn't that exciting? If you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost today, or if you've received it before, let me encourage you strongly. Let me encourage you strongly. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name in water. This is the gospel message. It's the power of God unto salvation. Amen. And so I want to encourage you, if you want to be baptized, let somebody know. Let a friend of yours know. Let Brother Chris here. Raise your hand, Brother Chris. Let Brother Chris know. Let Brother Chet know. He's at the back. Let, let me know. Basically, let anybody know. I want to be baptized. Amen. And, and we'll baptize you in water in the name of Jesus Christ. If you've uh, experienced something in God today or if you're starting out, uh, with Life Church, you may have been a Christian your whole life. You may be from a Catholic background. You may not be uh, any kind of a Christian. But I want to encourage you to get involved, to let the Spirit of the Lord lead you. What you felt today is just the beginning. That God wants you to begin to be able to grow and be used of God. It's not about just great feelings and goosebumps. It's about God's Spirit empowering you to have your life transformed. And so, uh, uh, as you leave the service, Sister Jackie and a. One of the other ladies will be back there. If you're interested in New Life class, today's a great day to sign up. It starts September the 2nd. In the meantime, between now and then, I encourage you to be in the house of the Lord. Come on Wednesday night and pray. Come Sunday and expect great things from the Lord. Amen. This is a great group of people. And uh, uh, they, they just love the lost. They love people. Amen. We love truth. We love the Word of God. And we love each other. Amen. And we, we would like to let you know about Life Church and uh, teach you and show you how you can grow spiritually and begin to have a, even a ministry here at Life Church. And that's through a New Life class. And there's a sign up sheet at the back. God bless you. I want to say thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Thank you to our visitors. One more time, let's give our visitors a hand. Thank you for being here. And, uh,
stand up. If you get a chance, I want you to greet all the visitors, shake shake their hand, and say thank you for coming. And just let them let them feel your sweetness and your love flow through you. Just don't get too crazy. No kisses or anything. And uh, God bless you. Korean Bible study at, at, at 3 o'clock. A Spanish service at 5. Bible study this week, next Sunday. God bless you. We love each and every one.